This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Christian Hockey. We're coming at you on uh, all of your devices today live. Uh, My name is Ken Campbell, and I'm here with my good friend Ryan Kennedy. And uh, you'll notice that there is an empty, vacant spot here. Um, And there's a reason for that. Yes. Uh, because Because Toronto has the best transit system in North America. We're not sure what they're best at. It was award-winning. Right, exactly. They won an award for it. Uh, But apparently they cannot handle um, winter in Canada. Also fire, to be fair. Right, yeah. Winter in Canada, which I think comes every year. Pretty sure it comes at the same time every year. Anyways, that is the reason why trusty Matt... Larkin is not with it, with us today. He Someone could not have a snowshoe. He could not make it in. We did, however. Not saying. Just, just saying. Thinking. Just saying. Yeah, not thinking, saying. Think, just saying. Just saying. I think yeah. we're a little more dedicated. Little but uh, anyway, we decided to forge on without our fearless leader. So I will be hosting the podcast for today. And like it or not, that's what you get. So there you go. And uh, so let's start off with um, the rumors of. Taylor Hall being on the block. We've been talking about this for months, and we've been saying that it's just inevitable um, that he's going to be traded, and I think we've all known it. Uh, I think it was basically dependent on how well the New Jersey Devils were going to do this year, and they're not doing very well, um, so they want to get assets for the, for this player. Um, so they're, they're going to trade him, obviously. Uh, expiring contract. Um, where, do you think, um, where do you think it makes sense for him to land? Well, I'm looking at the Colorado Avalanche right now, and I see a team that is primed for a long playoff run that has a lot of good pieces already but could really use some more high-end depth. And Taylor Hall certainly fits the bill. And the great thing about Colorado is that they have the assets to make this trade work. Right. Because if you're New Jersey... You want to get a mint back for Taylor Hall if you can. Now, you can talk about will he sign an extension once he's traded with his new team? How will that affect the uh, the pot? But Colorado has their first rounder still for this year. They also have their first rounder for next year, if you want to put that in play as well. Um, they have some pretty good prospects. Now, I don't think you touch... The high end, right? You don't toss Bowen Byron. No, you're in. not doing any of that. No. Nobody's doing any of that. No one's doing. Over no that. one's doing any of that. But do you maybe part with a Martin Kaut, who's playing in the AHL mm-hmm. right now with mm-hmm. the Colorado Eagles? Is there a younger roster player like a Tyson Jost that you put in there? So you do the pick player and prospect pile, if right. you will, right? Um, that to me would be one sort of combination that you most, could do, and also most in importantly, there. Colorado has the cap space right now to take on Taylor Hall's salary. So, key key factor there is that they can afford him, and they have enough parts that they could swing for that deal. And they're in a position where I think you know the West is pretty wide open this season. You know, there's a lot of surprising yep. teams, a lot of yep. teams that don't necessarily have a lot of playoff experience near the top. I think Colorado, you know, if they took Taylor Hall, they get a lot more dangerous. And, I mean, he's a fast dude. Can you imagine Taylor Hall and Nathan McKinnon in the same line? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be uh, It Fire would be scary. Ice. It would be scary. Well, speaking of teams in the West, 
that have surprised. Mm-hmm. And uh, could you like? Am I allowed to say Edmonton? Am I totally. allowed to say? Am I allowed to say that Taylor Hall should go back to Edmonton? Totally. Uh, because I mean, this to me, this makes a lot of sense. Hall and McDavid on the same. Yeah, line. exactly. That would be even faster Similar. than that would be even half yeah. faster than Hall and McKinnon. Yeah. Um, but you know, here you have a player who. Really, you know, I mean, he's familiar with the situation. He knows what the market's like. He knows a lot of the players on the team already. Uh, they're going for something here. They've got. They've clearly got something going. Yes. I mean, it, this is not. This is not smoke and mirrors. Right. I mean, they are very, very suspect defensively. I think. Mm. I think they 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 can be leaky at times, and they rely a little too much on their on their offense to bail them out of trouble, and their goaltending, ironically, yeah. to bail them out of trouble. Um, but, I mean, they've got an asset sitting right there that they didn't trade yesterday oh. in, in Jesse Pugliarby, uh-huh. who needs it, who needs a change of scenery, yeah. a high pick, um, you know, and that, that kind of that, that kind of gives you that that bounty that you're looking for, mm. right? You know, um, so so and the best thing about it is, you know, the, the current general manager, Ken Holland. He's never known the Edmonton Oilers with Jesse Puljujarvi in the lineup, so he's not giving up a roster player. Yeah, he's 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 giving up a player who who has it has said he wants out, you know. And then you end up with you know McDavid, Drysaddle, and Cassian. Say as as uh, you keep them as your first line. Yeah, and then you've got James Neal, Ryan Nugent Hopkins when he comes back, and Taylor Hall is your second line. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's two scary scary lines to throw out at people. That is true. Um, so I, I think that. I think that would be a great fit. So do you go Pugliarvi and a first for Hall? Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think that's fair. Yeah, like you're not you know, you're not trading Ethan Bear, okay? Like no. okay, so and and you need whoever, young defense. And New Jersey Devils fans who if you are if there are any of them listening or watching right now, you're not gonna get that kind of package. You're not getting it for an expiring contract. Right. You're gonna get guys who you're gonna get picks and you're gonna get young players who might be on the cusp who are n- maybe Sort of on the B, second A to, to B-level prospects, yeah. that kind of thing. You're not getting, like, a good young player. You're, not, you're just not getting, like, an, an impactful young player right now for that, for that contract. Yeah, and, you know, you look at the Mark Stone trade, that was premised on the fact that it was assumed he was going to sign a big extension. Which he did. Which he did. Right, right. So you give up an Eric Brandstrom. Right, right. But you give up Eric Brandstrom because... You know, you know, Ottawa yeah, knew yeah. that yeah. Vegas was going to get stoned yeah. for more yeah. than just that season. All right, moving quite along. Or moving along here, we've got the um, obviously, you know, the the sort of um, cloud over the hockey world in the last little while, especially mm-hmm. last week, was created by the uh, you know the Bill Bill Peters situation in, in Calgary. Um, I, I guess the dust is settled <laughs> for now. a little bit. I, I mean, on that situation per se, yes, it's settled. I mean, it's it's been resolved. He resigned um, and was replaced by Jeff Ward on an interim basis. And I think I think we all could see that coming. I, I don't yeah. think anybody was terribly surprised that that was the outcome. Once sort of the accusations started to pile up and and the investigation got deeper and deeper. Um, so I guess the question is kind of where where do we go from here with this? Um, it seems to me like uh, this has kind of touched a nerve and it's touched off uh, a lot of dialogue in, in the hockey world about, you know, this kind of behavior by coaches. And, I, and I'm wondering where we go from here because it's it's not it's not a cut and dried situation. It's pretty complex, I think. It's true. And, you know, we're already seeing more 
ripple effect. You have Ron Francis and Peter Carmanos with two very different takes right. on how things went down in Carolina. So I think there's questions in Seattle now. Do they do a bit of an investigation on Ron Francis, mm-hmm. uh, their GM, before things have even started? Because, I mean, you can't have that cloud hanging over a brand new franchise. I think you need to figure that out. And maybe Ron Francis is blameless here. Maybe he did go to Carmanos. We don't know yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Seattle needs to know pretty soon if they want to go a different way. You know, and I mean, with Peters, I have to say to begin with, I thought Bradshaw Living did an excellent job here. Absolutely. Keeping his cool, mm-hmm. making sure that everything was done properly. He didn't rush things. The fact that Peters resigned rather than being fired, I would presume, is also a win for a couple of different sort of business reasons and Ab- legal absolutely, reasons. Absolutely. He had two years remaining. Well, the rest of this year, next year, mm-hmm. with $2 million on his contract, I, I f- would find it very hard to believe that he's collecting everything on that. Yeah. They came to some kind of settlement. Yeah. I and I say. think... You know, I, I know there was people out there that said, oh, well, it happened so long ago. Like, why does it matter now? But for me, it's it's like you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube no. once it's out here because you have to think about all the different players who may or may not have wanted to come to Calgary. And if they're looking at the coach and, you know, the things he said, the things he allegedly did to players, that's just going to turn them off. So I think what we see now is if any other stories come out about coaches – Unfortunately, the past will matter because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a free market, if you will, for a lot of these players, and the players are the biggest assets. So you really have to be cautious of who your personnel are because that can impact the franchise for years down the road. And I, I think that, you know, this is something that the Flames took very seriously, and they took care of it properly i think Mm -hmm. and yep i don't think it's going to be the end i mean there's been a lot of allegations at a lot of different levels i think it's also been a wake-up call for a lot of coaches that you know there is different ways to get results with players and the old school ways they might have worked 20 years ago but they don't they just don't work now? Have you looked at yeah, how Toronto did, yeah. played under Babcock? Right, regardless of, of whether or not this stuff comes out, that that kind of that methodology of coaching or that 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 sort of personality of coaching, it it doesn't it doesn't fly with the modern athlete as yeah. much as it did. I I still think there's a place for the hard ass. I still yep. think there's a place for the disciplinarian. I still think there's a place for for guys to get benched and and sat totally. out and scratched and and maybe challenged a little bit. Yep. But but clearly the method has to change. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you look at a coach like John Tortorella and he's famous for being hard on his players, but most of his players also love him because right. he know they know that he's invested in them, that he wants to see the best for them. And I remember interviewing him yeah. a couple of years ago about Zach Wierenski for a piece, and I said, you know, thanks for your time, John. He was like, anytime you want to talk about Zach yeah. Wierenski, you give me a call. Yeah, and and I don't think, and I, and I mean, <laughs> who knows what's going to come out about whom. And I know, I feel on. like I shouldn't but name me, anybody me, at this it, point. To, I get the sense with a guy like Tortorella is he do, he doesn't play head games. He's very direct. He's very direct. You suck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, get better. You're playing terrible. Yeah. Or you have to do this better or yeah. whatever. I don't think that there's a lot of 
gray area when yeah. it comes to John Tortorella. And I, I think that players want that most of the time. They want direct, more than anything, they want direction and they want predictability. They want to know, right? Yeah. For me, I, I think there's, it's, it's kind of a multi layer thing. I think, first of all, I think that if this causes coaches from now on at, at every level, not just the NHL, junior hockey, college, right down to, you know, coaching eight year old kids, if this causes coaches to, to pause, and before they say something or do something, um, then I think there's been a world of good done here. Yeah, I think sure. there's been a world of good done here. And and I've said it the longest time, like like with suspensions. I mean, a suspension doesn't do anything for the team that 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 got offended, right? right. Like, so you if you punch a guy in the head or cross check a guy ten times in the back, the way Robert Bertuzzo did, and you get a four four game suspension, like. A suspension doesn't do anything for the for for, for Nashville. For Nashville. It doesn't right. do anything. But but what it does is it provides a deterrent. Yeah. So if Robert Bertuzzo gets and this is my point, is is if he gets a bunch of games, then at least a guy's gonna think. So so hopefully here, first of all, we're getting a point getting to a point where coaches are, are going to have that discussion amongst each other and, and most of all inside their own head yeah. when they're about to you know, deal Lose with a it. player. <laughs> and secondly, I, I, I got to think that this is going to – it's going to change the vetting process mm-hmm. when you're hiring a coach. Yeah. I mean, there's no way that before the Calgary Flames hired Bill Peters that they would have known that he did no. that to Akeem Alou nine years ago. Yeah, you can't interview but, every but single they, But they might have been able to find out, out about the Michael Jordan thing. That is true. You know, and, and I mean, the stuff that's coming out, out about Babcock, uh, apparently Chris Chelios said on a on a rival podcast that that Babcock basically gave Johan Franson a, a, an anxiety attack or uh-huh. something, something along those lines, and he, he's alleging that. I mean... I mean, I, I don't think you had to do a lot of due diligence on Mike Babcock to learn about what his players thought of him. True. Let's put it that way. True. I think it was fairly well known. Mike Babcock, for better or worse, was not very well liked by the players that played for him. And mm-hmm. that doesn't make him a bad coach. That doesn't make him a terrible person because you don't have to like your coach, but you have to respect him and he has to do things the right way. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if this doesn't if teams aren't going to be a little more diligent in their vetting process when they hire someone now mm. as opposed to, you know, six Two months ago, ago yeah. you know? So that might be that might be the takeaway in all of this. That number one, coaches start to think a little more and, and use their common sense a little more and maybe are a little more compassionate and, and smart about this. And secondly, maybe there's a better vetting process. So, yeah. and if that's what comes out of this... If that's what comes out of this and, and we're better for it, then then that's that's a good thing. It's a silver right? lining. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have one comment here. Uh, all right. It says, sources suggest the podcast is 33.3 less lovely and brilliant today. Any guesses as to why? The question is from THN Matt Larkin. Ah. Oh, really? Yeah, well, it's a lot less hairy, too. Nice. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. We've got another response that says, free Matt Larkin from Sam McKig. <laughs> wow. Sam McKig, one of our one of our editors. Yeah. All right, yeah. So like Larkin's gonna. It's, this is gonna be the Wally Pip thing, right? That's right. Yeah, like I'm Lou Gehrig and he's Wally Pip. Yeah, he takes one day off. I'm in your it's chair, done. Larkin. You're done. He's in your kitchen, man. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Um. Okay. The third item on our agenda here is I. I, f- I feel like Matt's better at these segues than I am, but anyways, I'm trying my best. There you go. Um, Nathan McKinnon. Mm-hmm. Um, rising up the scoring charts. 
I think he's like he's like the reverse Miko Rant or he's the reverse uh, David Pasternak. Pasternak's got 25, 17, 42 points. McKinnon oh. has 17, 25, 42 points. Uh-huh. Um, but he is rising up the ranks of the of the NHL. I think he's fifth or sixth in scoring right now. Um, obviously, you know, um, carrying a team that's that was until this weekend without two major guys. I mean, Rantanen, Rantanen came back this weekend and had like four points in one game. Um, Not bad. But, I mean, now, so so, what do we do with this? What do we do with with this Nathan McKinnon? Like, is is he... I, I think he's he's obviously in contention for the Hart Trophy right yes. now. Yes. Um, but I guess another question is, do we now start to consider one trophy for the best player and another one for the MVP? I mean, with respect to... I mean, you look at Dreisaitl and and McDavid, they have each other. Yep. You know, uh, Bergeron, or sorry, um, Pasternak and Marchand, they have each other. And yeah. when he's healthy, they have Which one of the premier centers in the game. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon has carried the Colorado Avalanche through a period here, not by himself, but he's he's carried, he's done a lot of the heavy lifting here. So, I mean, I th- I think he's he's an he's obviously a Hart Trophy candidate. Yeah. Uh, either way, best yes. player or or. Or most valuable, yeah. but I, but I feel like I feel like the way this should go now is like we've still we've already got the Ted Lindsay and it's for the most outstanding players voted by the players. Yeah. I think what needs to happen now is a Ted Lindsay has to be regarded in that group of trophies right. that 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 like it's 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 as, the same importance right exactly it's the same importance as a Hart Trophy it's the same yeah. importance as an Art Ross Trophy it's the same importance as Selkie Vezina mm. you know Norris so the, when the you're being. looking at a guy's career. Yeah, he won three Hart trophies and four four Ted Lindsay trophies or right. whatever, right? So yeah. I think that's what has to happen here. So yeah, I, I don't want to add another one. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that if everything continues the way it is at the same pace, I think McDavid probably wins it for a yeah. couple of reasons, and I am a huge Nathan McKinnon fan, and everything you said was correct. But there's for a couple of years now. There has been that debate over whether you could vote for McDavid as MVP right. because the Oilers were a non-playoff team. And to me, there's no value if you don't make the playoffs. Right. If Edmonton <clears throat> makes the playoffs, and clearly they are on pace to do so, I think there's going to be a big groundswell of voters I think who are like, right. okay, now we can vote yeah, for him. Yeah, I think him. you're right. He's been the right. best. Yep. You know, okay, so McDavid and Drysdale, obviously a dynamic duo. They have more than twice as many points each. As anybody else on the roster, I believe right. Ca- I believe Cassian, who has played a lot with them, is third with 19 points. They right. both have 51, I believe. Yeah. But even more interesting to me, and I know it's a bit of an outdated stat, but if you look at plus minus, McDavid's a plus. Almost every other Oiler that isn't on that McDavid, Drysdale, Cassian line is a minus this year. Yeah. Almost all the defense. I think Benning's a plus. There might be one or two guys that are like plus one or zero, but almost the entire team is a minus, except those near McDavid. Right. Which I find very fascinating. And again, you know, you're talking about two. This is very similar to when Taylor Hall beat Nathan McKinnon, where. You know, both of those guys dragged their teams close to and then, you know, into playoffs, surprise playoff spots. Right, right. And it really came down to, I mean, it was just a really close vote. I think I might have had McKinnon ahead of Hall on my ballot. I can't remember. Um, Because 
Colorado had lost some games when McKinnon was out of the lineup late in the season, and then he came back and they got in. Uh, I think this is going to be sort of an elevated version of that where Colorado and Edmonton are going to be two of the better teams in the West, and those are the guys steering the ship. They're yeah. both the top-line centers. Yeah. So it's going to be a really good debate, and I wonder if it just comes down to points in the end for a lot of voters because how else do you split right it? right well i i mean I, I i i like your point about the plus minus i've always thought plus minus was useful when you're comparing it to your team like if there's right. one guy if everybody's a huge plus and there's one guy who's minus 40 i think that tells you something <laughs> yeah. right you know so so and i think in this case it do, that does say something yeah um for me right now if the season were to end right now if any one of David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, or um, or Nathan McKinnon uh. were the the art the Hart Trophy winner, I, I wouldn't I would not have a problem with a single one of those guys winning, I, I agree. being being the MVP this year. I agree. Not a problem at all. Yeah. Um, but I think I think you you bring up a good point. You know, you're going to defer to McDavid because if all things are being if all things are equal, McDavid's the best player in the world. Yeah. You know, so that that I think that counts for something. So yeah, I think I think yeah, I think we're on to something here. But we've got you know three quarters of a season to get this all figured out. It's gonna be a fun so race. It'll be fun. It'll, it's been great so far. It's been yep. fantastic so far. And these guys are doing otherworldly things, all of them. Um, so it's it's gonna be good to see what they do down down the next uh, sixty games or so here. So mm-hmm. um, all right, we're gonna take some questions. Well, we're actually not taking any live questions because why aren't we taking live questions, Stephen? Because I'm I can't handle it. Do you know how to use the computer? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 aware of that. Not well, if any well. good ones come yes. up, if any good ones come up, just just go. let us know. Not from Matt. Um, I will just say the Team Canada's roster just got announced. Uh, no uh, Merkley and no Braden Tracy. I thought that was a little interesting. Mm. Uh, but a lot of OA, or a lot of NHL draft prospects, including Quinton Byfield and Cole Perfetti. Nice. Wow. And Jimmy Drysdale. Nice. Yeah. That's gonna be a fun camp. Wow, so they could have three draft eligibles on that team. They I, yeah, could. there's a few more on there. Yeah, but but I mean, yeah. but I mean, it's would Perfetti? I mean, you know, would Perfetti make the team? I think he'd have to have a pretty strong camp just because there's so many older guys available in that's that role. Like, because yeah. Lafreniere, like we know he's going to be there. Uh, for and sure. I, I don't, I don't think you can take Quentin Byfield off this team now. I, I, I don't, be tough. I, I don't think you, I don't think you can do it. I, I just don't think you can do it. Can you imagine having Quentin Byfield as your fourth line center? Like he's the thirteenth forward. Ima- yeah, yeah. Like, but then, he, then, then that always that tournament always it's it's always the guy who starts as the thirteenth forward. Yeah, ends up being the guy who is Van like Kane. the big hero. Evander yeah. Kane. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kale so. McCarr was like. The seventh defenseman. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. when they won gold. Yeah. In he Buffalo. was named to the All Star team too. He was. He was. I voted on that All Star team. That was the Buffalo World. That's right. right? Yeah. 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 I was there. You were. Um, all right. So our first question comes from Steve Keegan. How much pressure is Montreal under to make a move to save their season? And just before I go there, George LaRock said on a radio station today, Bob Hartley is in consideration for the coaching job. And oh. Bergevin talked to him in Russia. Ooh. Bob in, Hartley currently with Avangard Omsk okay. of the KHL. In, in Montreal? No, but he went to... He went to, he went to Omsk. Yes. To talk to Bob Hartley. Yeah. About the Montreal coaching job. According to George LaRock. 
There you go. I, I don't believe that for he one second. He might have also been... I don't believe that for one second. He might have I'm also sorry. been in Russia to see Alexander Roman. Yeah, I, I don't I don't, I don't believe that Claude Julian's in any trouble. I don't believe that for one second. And yeah. I hope I don't end up looking stupid two days from now when he gets fired. But or when the podcast I, ends. I, I, <laughs> I, I, don't believe, I don't believe that for one second. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, so what does Montreal have to do to make... Do they have to make a move to save their season? I suppose firing their coach and bringing in... Bringing in Bob Hartley, I guess, w- would be something they could do, but <laughs> I, that's not that's not that's not going to solve anything. Can Bob Hartley opinion. be a number one center? Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing, uh, you know, the way this question is structured, how much pressure is Montreal under to make a move to save their season? I think the answer is incredibly. There is so much pressure. I mean, it, like but Twitter is on fire. But it's all they're always like that's that's a constant <laughs> state of affairs. So I it think is. it's all relative. I think yeah. it's all relative. There's always pressure in Montreal. But even even there's relative always pressure in Toronto, there's always pressure yeah. in, in the Canadian cities. I think even relative to say last year, the year before, I, I think Habs fans aren't used to things taking this long. Yeah, and I think the the drought is beginning to affect them. And the problem is. This team, it, this team's not good enough. No, they're not. And I don't know what you do to fix it. Like I know some people have said, oh, like Taylor Hall can get traded to Montreal. That's not going to make them that much better. That's not going to make them that much better. Not that much. And what would you have to give up, right, to get Taylor Hall if you're Montreal? Right. It's going to be something that you could probably use in a year or two. And for me, the Habs, they need to be patient. Exactly. I know that's not something that they do in that town. But you've got good prospects coming up. Romanov's a great defensive prospect. You've got Suzuki and Paling. You got Cole Caulfield. You've got Caden Primo. None of these guys are going to be impact players right right now. Although mm. Suzuki's, you know, he's been yeah. playing pretty well. But these kids are going to start making an impact maybe next year, but definitely the year after that. And that's how you got to think about yeah. these things. Rebuilds don't generally take three years they really take like six or seven and and if you really if you really 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 want to do it right it takes a long time and it mm. takes a lot of pain yep for about three or four or five years that's what it really takes yeah see to me ryan i think montreal has fallen out of that group of teams where people are should be expecting them to be really good all the time. Right. I think they've fallen out. Like they haven't won a cup in more than twenty years. Mm-hmm. Like, like I mean, it, they're 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 not what they were in that sense. I mean, Toronto is another another. Like I always argued this. Oh, there's so much pressure in Toronto to win. No, I think in Toronto, like especially in a hockey market where people know the game, they want to see that there's tangible advancements being Uh made. I don't think they need to see a team that can contend for the Stanley Cup every year, but what they need to see is, yeah, this is where we are, but we're moving forward. And and I don't think Montreal is under pressure to do anything to save their season because it's not a savable season. Correct. It's not a savable season. They're not better than the top three teams in that division right now. They're not better than Tampa Bay. They're not better than Buffalo. Nope. So where does that leave them? They're not a a playoff caliber team. And the Atlantic... Probably only gets three teams this year. Yeah. 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 The Metro so, is so, it's not stacked, but it's so close that, like, right now, Montreal would be, I think, sixth or seventh in the see, Metro. See, to me, this question would be more pertinent if you took out the word Montreal and put in the word Tampa Bay. 
Sure. Right? I mean, I keep waiting for the Tampa Bay Lightning to go on a run here. And they yeah. do it a little bit, and then they lose two in a row. Mm-hmm. And then they then they start to, you know. But to me, Tampa Bay's under an enormous amount of pressure right now to get things together. Yeah. Montreal is not under pressure to get things together, in my opinion. They should not they, be under They pressure. shouldn't be. They're, they've got all those young players that you talked about. Cole Caulfield's going to be there. Yeah, either at the end of this year or next year, mm-hmm. uh, I get the feeling that as soon as Wisconsin season ends, uh, and they're not Wisconsin isn't that good. They're seven eight and one right now. Yeah. So yeah. unless so, they get so, the automatic, so, like if they win the Big Ten championship yeah, tournament, then right. they get so, into the tournament. Yeah, Otherwise, so, uh, so they could be done by early March. Yeah, they could be. So he's got a month. So I think if that happens, it, you know. Wisconsin, Wisconsin season ends. He skates off the ice. He goes to the dressing room, takes off his stuff, takes a shower, puts on a suit, and flies to Montreal. Yeah. Either to join the Habs or to, to start in Laval wow. or something, do, do a playoff run in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's going to happen this year with this kid. Um, and he's cooled off too, actually. But yeah. he's he actually scored this weekend, yeah. which was which was good. But, I, yeah, I don't think Montreal's under should be under, under any pressure to do anything to salvage a season that's not really salvageable they should i mean the cinderella ending to this story is that montreal wins the lottery and gets alexi lafreniere mm-hmm. yeah that i don't that's, think i don't think that's happening either but i mean they'd really have to start they'd really have to go into free fall here yeah but yeah. i mean with the with, with the lottery odds the way they are now yeah 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 you never know yep yeah exactly. ask new jersey Exactly. Okay. Um, all right. Peter Mark Brock. Oh, Peter Mark Bachman. Bachman. Which rebuilding team is making the most progress? So, Ryan, what do you think? Okay. I'm going to go with the New York Rangers. <clears throat> and what I like about New York's rebuild right now is that the team's not in the basement. Right. You know, they're kind of along the periphery of the playoff picture, but their their game still means something. Yep. And they've got some veterans. You know, obviously, Jacob Truba and Artemi Panarin came in in the summer. They still have Mika Zibanejad. They still have Chris Kreider around. They still have Henrik Lundqvist. So they've got leadership there. They've got some nice kids. And what I like is not only do they have a lot of prospects playing well, um, but... A lot of their kids are in places to succeed. Vitaly Kravtsov had a bit of a false start in North America. Uh, played a couple of games in the AHL. It wasn't really working out, so he went back to Russia. I'm fine with that. He's still a young kid. Gets a bigger role yeah. with Tractor. They really needed him. So that's good for this year. And then you look at Capo Caco. He was able to play through some early struggles. He picked it up a little bit. Adam Fox is playing in the NHL. I think that's the right place for him right now. You've still got guys that have to earn spots. We've seen Leas Anderson go up and down. We've mm-hmm. still seen Phil Heedle go up and down the lineup. So they've still got some help on the way, you know, like Igor Shosturkin uh, playing in the AHL. He had a, a very nice start to his North American pro career. They've still got more players coming, like Keandre Miller at Wisconsin, Niels mm-hmm. Lundqvist playing over in Sweden. So we haven't yet seen the totality of the rebuild, but we're starting to see the roots taking shape and, and taking right. hold. So right, I, I right. like where the Rangers are at right now on sort of every level. Hmm, good. Um, I'm going to go with the Vancouver Canucks here. And, and I think a lot of people owe Jim Benning 
not an apology, but I, I think a lot of people misjudge some of the things that he did. He brought in, mm-hmm. you know, he brought in the Jay Beagles of the world. He brought in Tyler Myers. You know, he brought in... Um, Roussel, yeah, Tim yeah, Schaller. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he's, he's brought in some older guys, and I think a lot of people construed that as as they were kind of desperate and, and mm-hmm. trying to trying to be something they're not. But but what I think those guys can do is they can teach these other young these younger guys how to be pros, and they can keep them in the race too, help keep them in the mm-hmm. race. And you talk about, you know, playing important games. And I think that that is 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 as important to any team's development as anything else. True. You want your young guys, even if they don't make the playoffs. Like I know that you know a lot of people think, oh yeah, well if you finish just out of the playoffs, you're in hell because a you didn't make the playoffs and you didn't get a good enough pick. But like to me, to for Quinton Hughes and for and for uh, for for Bo Horvat, well not so much Bo Horvat, he's not yeah, at least Patterson, Brock Besser, for those guys to be playing games that matter. And to be playing under that pressure, I think, is huge. I think Hughes, Quinn Hughes, was... I think they thought he was going to be pretty good. I think they thought he was going to be good. I don't think they had any idea he was going to be this good. Right. I don't think they had... I don't think anybody had any idea he was going to have this kind of impact playing 20 minutes a game on Mm -hmm. this team. Um, So they've really... I think they've kind of... They've kind of accelerated the rebuilding process. I don't know that it's going to last. It's going to end in a playoff spot this year. Mm-hmm. I'm still dubious. Yeah. I, I mean, I I find it hard to believe that they'd be that Vegas and Calgary aren't going. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I think Calgary coaching change. I, yeah. I find it hard to believe that those two teams aren't going to pick it up and kind of sort of start to run with it. So they mm-hmm. may get left behind a little more and more as yeah. the season goes on here. But I, I think they've done a nice job, and I think. I think this start is something that, again, like when you go back to hockey fans in 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 markets where they know the game, mm-hmm. I think this start has 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 displayed to the hockey fans in Vancouver. Yeah, okay, we we're we got something going here. We got yeah. something going here. We're not sure what it is yet. Right. We're not sure what it is yet. We're not even sure if it's a playoff team. We're not even sure if we're that good. Yeah. But it's something we've got something going here. Yeah, and it's and it's fun. I mean, that's the yeah. good thing. Yeah. And what I like about Vancouver is. You know, I always go straight down the middle when I think about rebuilds. So, do they have a number one center? Yep. Definitely. Do they have a number one defenseman? Definitely. Do they have a goalie of the future? Yes, they got Thatcher Demko. He's getting starts now. He's starting his NHL career. Are there kids still coming up? Yes. you got Vasily Podkolzin. You've got Tyler Madden, who's off to an incredible start to the season uh, with Northeastern in the mm-hmm. NCAA. So there's still talent coming up. John Madden's kid, up. right? John, John Madden's, Madden's kid. kid, that's right. So there's still players coming up, and you've already seen sort of the fruits of your labor with the Bessers and the Pedersons and the Hughes. So, yeah, I think Vancouver's a, a great one as well. Nice. Um, all right, so we've got uh, Christopher Drews says, how many years does it take for Steve Eiserman to get the Wings back to challenging for conference titles? Five, five years. At least five. At yep. least. Yes. At least. Five years. And I think, I, yeah, it's five years because at minimum, I think that's the time it's going to take for them to develop their next goaltender, their, their next actual bona fide starter. There isn't a guy that can jump in right away, but I think Philip Larson could be that guy in a couple of years, but he's just coming into, you know, the pro game. And he he actually started off the, you know, the the summer slash fall 
hurt, so he had to work his ba- back from being banged up. You got Keith Petrozelli at uh, Quinnipiac. You know, he's, he's another option. Kid, eh? He's that great big kid, Yeah, like he's the big kid. kid. Yeah. Exactly. So you've got you've got options, but neither yeah. of those guys are going to be in the NHL, ideally, next year. You want them uh, in Grand Rapids for a couple of years. Right. You want to build this thing the proper way. Right, right. Um, so that's why, to me, it's five years because by then you think, you know, is Moritz Sider in his fourth NHL season by then? Could be, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. great. Joe Valeno, Philip Zadina, Michael Rasmussen, like how many of these kids – in five years are going to be in basically their peak NHL years. And that's why I think it's going to take that long because they don't have, uh, outside of like Dylan Larkin and, you know, I'll toss Anthony Mantha into that category as well. Tyler Bertuzzi's been pretty good. Bertuzzi's been good, but if you think about like elite NHL talent, there's not a lot there right now, but there is room for it. Yeah, there's not not a lot at all. Yeah, Yeah. but there is room for it. There, There are candidates Right, so I I say five years clearly. See, I, like I'm 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 looking at Detroit, and it's like I, I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're gonna win another game this year. <laughs> like the way they've been playing, and they, and they're do they just, play Montreal, and they're getting waxed. Like they're not yeah. just they're not just losing. They're getting they're getting their their butts handed to them. Yeah. on a lot of nights. Um, but you know what? If if that's gonna happen, if that's gonna happen, this is the perfect scenario. Yeah. In which for it to happen. Yeah. Because you've got Steve Eiserman coming in, you know, with a clean slate. He's got at least a couple of years here to to kind of get his vision in place yeah. and to you know, and if he's keeps making trades like Robbie Fabry for Jacob Ooh, De La Rose, yeah. um He's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, if they, I, I, I mean, I mean, if I'm Steve Eiserman, I go to Robbie Fabry now, and I'm like. This is, you know, we got a good thing going here. Let's let's keep it going. Let's yeah. let's sign a let's sign a deal here. Let's it's go obvious, seven or eight. Yeah, it's obvious. It's, it's obvious that it's a good fit. Let's yes. let's get this. Let's get a little more permanent situation here. Um, so for me, I mean, Steve Eiserman shouldn't have to do anything this year, no. uh, other than wait and 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 Draft bo- bottom out, bottom out, yeah. and and get. Quentin Byfield. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be great. It would and and then and then you get a you have a couple of more years like that, you know. And if you really want to do this right, if you really want to do it right, that's what you do. That's what you do. You bottom out for a period of three years, you get three or four elite prospects, and then you have a couple of third and fourth rounders who jump into the mix, mm-hmm. and that's how you become a contending team in the NHL. Yeah, Montreal. <laughs> yeah. So don't go doing anything. Do we have any other questions, Stephen? More of a fun one. Okay. Tyler Doust. In Tyler your, Doust. In your I think it's Dou. Is it Dou? Dou, maybe. Dou. Yeah. I, yeah, it's not Doust. D A O U S T. Yes. Yeah. It'd be Dou. funny if he was from Red Deer. Tyler. It's like no, it's Doust. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In your opinion, can Connor and uh, Connor McDavid and Leo and Derek Saddle both reach 140 points this season? Wow. They're on, they're on pace for that. So they're yeah. on pace for that. 104. I don't think well, they do. As long as they keep getting points on each other's goals, that's true. Which that they helps. Do, that certainly it helps. It really helps. Man, yeah. 140 just sounds so. It sounds like so much. But they're at in fi- this they're, era. They're at 50 and and, and a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah. So, so like they're on pace. Are they on pace? Like on pace for two? I know they're not going to get it, but are they on pace for 200 right now? No, like 150, 140, 150. 150. Yeah. Well, if they've got 50 a quarter of the way through the season, why would they not be on pace for more than that? 
Come on, Times Steven. Three. Yeah, because they've played about 27 games. If they have 51 points, then... Yeah, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay, they're on pace for that, eh? Okay, well... I'm going to say... No, I'm going to say like 125... Because when you get to the end of the season, they're going to be jockeying for position. Things are going to get tighter. They're going to be more concerned about wins necessarily than points Yeah, individually. Yeah. And, I mean, I think McDavid's probably still going to win the scoring crown walking away anyway. Although, although, you know, I mean, if they are going to be concerned about wins, maybe they just go, like, Hot they, it's just it's just like, well, we have to score. Every other We shift. have to score all the time to win. Right. So they're going to unleash those guys. Possibly. I mean, getting the ice time they're getting and... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's possible. It's possible. I think it's possible. It's possible. Yeah, but not probable. But not probable. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think Connor. I think Connor McDavid could do it. I get the sense that Drysaddle will be like fifty-three goals and sure and fewer assists. Right. You know, he doesn't pile up the assists as much. And one last question. Yep. Uh, from Source Intelligentsia. Intelli- intelligentsia? Intelligentsia, yeah. Yeah, let's not, let's not get Stephen to get, give out the names, okay? <laughs> oh, you said you're back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are the odds the Flyers ship Ghost Bear before the death? Oh, God, isn't this a guy that asks that question every week? <laughs> we haven't actually asked It's a no. pertinent question, though, because he's yeah. kind of fallen out of favor there. He sure has, yeah. You know what? I think that's probably a pretty decent possibility because if you're in another NHL franchise, you see what Ghost Bear has done in the past and you say, well, maybe he just needs a change of scenery. And for the Flyers, because of that track record, they can probably get something pretty good back for him. Maybe it's one of those pure hockey trades. Yeah. Right, have we just have we just like stopped like even pretending to call him by his name? Yes. Like Gus's Bear? Like we don't call him that anymore? It's Ghost Bear? It's Ghost Bear. Okay, so well, the only thing with that is you're not trading from a position of you know you don't have Straight. a lot of leverage right now true because he's not playing well and he's falling out of favor um so i'm not sure you're gonna get a ton back for him yeah you know what would fair. he be what would he be at the deadline what would he be a, a sec second round pick oh, and a f- no i'd give up a first for a young mobile defenseman maybe i'm a sucker I don't know. See, that's see to me. That's where you start making mistakes at the trade deadline is overpaying mm. for guys like that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a potential guy, and we've seen him do it. Right. He might. He, might, he may not have done it what if recently. What if he hasn't gotten any better? What if he? What if that's his peak? What if that was his peak? It's possible. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Good mm-hmm. question, though. Okay. Is that go. it for questions? That's it. No more names to mangle for us. <laughs> Okay, well, thanks, Stephen, for that. And, uh, well, that takes us to the end of our uh, our proceedings right now. Yeah. So we are done for the week. Uh, thanks again to our good friends from, at Christian Hockey. Hopefully next week uh, there won't be, a, you know, like it won't rain or or there won't be a little bit of wind or something and Matt yeah. will be able to actually join us. Matt is doing podcasts on Thursday here. Oh, he is? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So tune in on Thursday unless, uh, unless uh, you know, unless it gets too hot out yeah. and then Matt won't be here. Or so. maybe he left the oven on yeah or something yeah so anyways but uh, we are lesser for not having matt larkin with us definitely as you can see uh but uh, but we enjoyed ourselves today we hope you did too and uh, we'll see you all next week 